welcome to Every Mom Needs a Friend. Hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are. And if it's the beginning of your day, hope you are enjoying a delicious cup of coffee. And if it's the end of the day, maybe a glass of wine, whatever is your cup of tea. I am sitting here just thinking about y'all and thinking about this year, 2024. It is so wonderful to be walking through this year and this motion because it's something at least for me that like, I just am such a forward thinker. I'm such a forward looker that when times in my life that I look forward to are like happening in front of me, it's hard for me to just sit and relish in those moments. Um, I've been looking forward to the first couple weeks of January for a while, just because I kind of was I don't know, done with 2023? Is that okay to say? And I also know that 2024 is going to bring so many wonderful things. Um, There's just a lot even happening in the next six weeks that I am pumped to talk to y'all about. Lots of like fun parties, people visiting, just lots of good, y'all. I am stoked. So for today, this is an episode that part of it I recorded so long ago. It was a time that Christopher and I were sitting there having this super fruitful discussion about building resentment. And I was like, pause. I know this is ridiculous. Can I pull out the mic? Because this is the type of thing that I feel like me and you, like you, every mom needs a friend listener and me, Anna, who literally sits on this a lot of building resentment for my husband. And I know that you and I, we don't have the exact same walk of life, but if you've been married for some time, you know that there's just some aspects of marriage and it has nothing to do with how good or bad or you know, new or old your marriage is. I just really think that as humans, we are prone to build resentment. And I think it's ultimately like this whole gaping hole sin struggle of the fact that discontentment or, you know, the fact that we do have a God-sized hole in our heart that will never be filled until glory, like that unrest is such a mutual experience between us as humans that I just wanted to talk about like the tiny little part that I believe overlaps with me and a lot of women. So that's what we talk about today. But like I said, I've recorded the first half, but then the second half is super sweet because it's just me and Christopher talking a while ago about it. So I hope y'all enjoy. I hope you're having a wonderful day and look forward to y'all hearing about this episode. And let's jump over to Instagram after so we can chat about it. But love y'all so much and enjoy. This episode is so on my heart right now because I feel like I have a lot of external pressure. I have a lot going on at the moment and it is so ugly how that leaks into marriage. How as much as I can say I think I compartmentalize well, I obviously don't because I feel like I just leak my pressures and worries, anxieties, anything that's gone on throughout the day to when Christopher comes home. I wish I could turn off my brain so I can just exist with my people, but I just sometimes can't. And especially when it comes to the idea of like Christopher traveling a lot, y'all need to know that like, I really think that I have been set up for success. I think I knew well aware with Christopher's job and over the past 10 years, what he's done in his career that I know part of his job is traveling, pre-kids, post-kids, any part in his career, I assume that he's going to travel. And I think I even had this story written so long ago that my dad traveled a lot growing up. And so I felt like that's a part of a normal like father figure is that he is super present when he's in town, but there is you know, pockets of time that he's gone. So you'd think that I would be the best person to not build resentment with a husband who travels. And I just felt like, you know, Anna, 
Let's be honest here. Like you do, you do build resentment and let's have an honest conversation about that because I feel like as listeners, um, y'all, you know, you've seen me through these different seasons of life where, you know, Christopher has been there through births and that we've moved from place to place. And I have pretty much just like said, I, I captain to every part. But in reality, there are days where I'm like, man, this stinks. I wish my husband came home every day at 5 p.m. And I just feel like this is more universal than I'm giving it credit. Like, yes, maybe your husband doesn't travel as much as my husband, but we all have areas in our lives that we tend to build resentment easier. And I even think about how my mom always did a good job of making sure that if she had resentment towards my dad traveling, she didn't show that to us. And I know that my dad would call my mom in tears and be like, oh, I just want to be home with the kids. And she's like, boo-hoo, I want to be in the hotel getting a big good night of sleep after a delicious meal with some coworkers. And it's just all kind of goes back to the idea of the fickleness as humans. And um, I'm not above that. And so I think about when Christopher travels, there are some things that I do to help um, me maybe not you know, be such a loaded cannon when he comes home. And uh, part of it is just, I mean, cliche, but communication is that, you know, if Christopher has gone out to eat for the past 10 nights in a row that he's been out of town, but I've, you know, cooked dinner for the girls and myself for 10 nights in a row, we're at a disconnect here. And so communication is the only way we're even going to bring that to light. Um, So when Christopher comes back from traveling, we do have to kind of balance and one of us has to fall on our swords the first night. Um, But usually it's Christopher needs to be at home. And so a home cooked meal again, or maybe we order in that night, but we definitely have that disconnect. And as silly as that sounds, that is a real discussion in the Duffy household. But I also had this cadence that I have added and I feel very thankful that I'm able to do this, but I do at least one babysitter night when Christopher is gone. And so sometimes that's at night, sometimes it's during the day, but there is a time period where I get to kind of step out of my responsibilities of being a mom and sometimes just go to a coffee shop. Sometimes it's running an errand or doing something that I have to do, but a lot of times it's just going to a coffee shop and drinking a cup of coffee slowly by myself. And that is this whole concept that I've heard people talk about of your whole person by yourself and to remember that. And I don't know, don't be a victim to your life. Like, don't be like boohoo. Like, you have a wonderful life. So starting with the mind frame, I think, of waking up and being thankful But then maybe just being honest with yourself. I think about Christopher's mantra that he's been saying a lot, and I think it's something that he's going to call his mantra for the year probably, but his big thing is don't be surprised about things that are unsurprising. And I love that. It's a great phrase. I've heard it before, but just him saying it with the time period in our life right now is just so good because... Am I going to sit here and act like I'm shocked that when he leaves for 10 days over a weekend that I'm weirdly building resentment? No, like I need to think about that. I need to pre-plan for that and I need to do the best I can 
to not be building resentment. Just as a side note, my mantra for this year is log good hours with people. I just think it's a really important thing to do and it's something I'm personally doing. But let's get back to this. So I'm going to talk you through some notes and it's so weird. When I was reading my notes this morning and looking through what I want to talk about today, I'm like, have I already talked about this before? So y'all give me grace if I like have talked about this on the podcast. It just feels so familiar to me and I don't know if it's because it's something that I think about a lot and I don't know if like my notes are just my brain and uh, y'all just just give me grace here. I really have been thinking to this idea of biased thoughts how as much as we want to say like as we get older we are more understanding and we're not so you know self-centered I believe we all have biased thoughts. You know, we have different perceptions versus reality versus perspective. And we spend so much of our time trying to convince people to have the same perception that we do. And there's just simply no way that someone can 100% perceive something the same way you do. Because, you know, we have so many biases created throughout our entire life, starting at like day zero. We all experience things differently. So like when it comes to our husbands, we spend so much time trying to get them to stand in our shoes. Like I believe I even say like, put yourself in my shoes. And it's just simply not possible because of, you could say gender bias, because truly how we're divinely designed. But then put more simply that your husband can just never see life 100% through your eyes. And we just spend, I spend, you spend so much time spinning our wheels in this. But when we think of perspective, we think of, you know, first person perspective or second person perspective, third person perspective, or how God has this omnipotent perspective that we can never have. So like for husbands, you can generalize some things and think of some things from his perspective, but that's entirely different from his perception. And this ties nicely in with sympathy or empathy. I really don't know if I know the difference, but where you do your best to try to think about how this person is receiving what you're saying or what they're going through or bonus points if you're able to actually have a visceral feeling of what they would feel in that situation. And if you've gone through something as traumatic as infant loss, like through miscarriage or stillbirth or a baby passing away, there's just an amount of trauma that although you can't tap into it 100%, you can tap into enough to be able to empathize with that person because you can ultimately know what general emotion they're having, if they're comfortable, if they're uncomfortable, if they're scared, they're nervous for the future, they're feeling out of control. And as moms, we can overlay a lot of common hardships like waking up and having stress immediately on your plate because of kids at a certain age. And I know that we all know the example of full glass or half empty glass people or people that just tend to lean towards being a victim. Or I love the idea that you can be so in control of your emotions that how you perceive the world, um, you know, like if you smile at people and they smile back, you tend to think of the world as a more friendly place. And I think I've talked about that before, but I think of my friends who are potentially ones on the Enneagram who can come off as judgmental. But ultimately, if you remember that if these people are saying something out loud to you, then odds are they are challenged so hard internally and it gives you the ability to give them a lot more grace because it's like, man, if they've said it out loud, how much SHIT have they worked through in their head? And, you know, this brings me to this idea of like intent doesn't equal impact or like I think my mom talks about like, you know, good intentions pave the route to hell or something like that. I don't believe that's actually the phrase, but I just mean like this intention, it doesn't actually equal 
the impact. So like, you know, you can say I have good intentions, my intentions are good or my intentions aren't bad. But I always think about like, well, if you don't have intentions, or if you have good intentions, but you're not thinking about the person in front of you, then I mean, it's not going to equal the impact. And I just feel like tone is so important. So I wanted to jump over from me to this recent conversation Christopher and I had, and we recorded about this. um, And we talked about love and respect and marriage. So let me pause here and send you that way. Okay, so I have just kind of given you the spark notes version of this, Christopher. So I felt like it was important to bring you in to this idea because you're the husband I'm talking about this whole episode. What? <laughs> it's you. So I kind of want to talk about how this relates to you or there's a lot of things we could talk about of like ways that you maybe build resentment for me. But what I really want to tackle with this last little bit is talking about love versus respect. There's whole books on this. I feel like it's the quintessential premarital counseling conversation. And I believe love and respect are one in the same. I don't know if you would say you have struggled with this as much as I have, but I know that this concept that was presented to me in premarital counseling, immediately when it was described, I felt like I was broken. Even before we were even married, I felt like I was the outlier and I needed more respect than love and you needed more love than respect. But what actually I feel like after we've been married this long and gone through some different challenges is that you and I both absolutely can't function without both love and respect. You know, when we talk about love languages or mutual respect, I mean, they have to be in harmony for you even to hear each other. Yeah, I think I think about it in a quadrant. And yeah. the top left of the quadrant is love and respect. Next quadrant over is maybe love without respect, which sounds weird to say. The bottom one is respect without love, which also sounds weird to say. And the bottom one is without love and respect. Mm-hmm. And that's really where you get in the most trouble, yeah. right? Is that bottom right corner. Top right one, love without respect. You know, at least you're not, like, you might be saying something that is, you know, fundamentally hurtful. But if you're saying it in a gentle, easy way that's at least receptive, there is some, like, respect associated with that. Mm-hmm. But it's also something that it's easier for me to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're saying something respectful, but it's maybe a harsh tone or not, like, hold my hand or, you know, I am a touchy-feely, lovey person... If it's not in the way I feel love in that conversation, but it's at least highly respectful, there's a much better chance of that getting through. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, when something is said or we're acting with towards each other with love and respect, it is just the way for us to be powerful. What I've seen in our worst fights, and thankfully those have become less over time, but in our worst fights, it is the lack of both. Mm-hmm. Where it's And it's not just like love. Like you may be saying to yourself, like we're having a serious conversation or we're going through something and so I think I'm being loving but if it's not the love that I feel mm-hmm. like we're very isolated from each other and we're having a stern conversation uh, and maybe it's not as respectful as it should be those are like bottom right quadrant for me mm-hmm. whereas like it could be even like a conversation that I don't love but you're holding my hand mm-hmm. like that to me is a sense of love where mm-hmm. it's driving it through now it's not necessarily your love language but mm-hmm. at least like makes me feel like I'm in a better quadrant mm-hmm. than if we were in that bottom right one right and mm-hmm. so I think over time, we've learned that we both need both. And I think yeah. it's part of our personality types, right? Where you are a very type A person. You are very confident in who you are. And I love that about you. I love that about you so much. But it also means that, you know, I'm kind of that way too. And then we're both fairly uh, strong-willed people. And so when we find ourselves in a place where neither of us are feeling both those things, that's where we start to clash. And that's mm-hmm. such a bummer. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you know, I, I kind of view it as my job to pull us out of that. Mm-hmm. It's a mutual effort, but it is it is my job to kind of pull us out of that. 
And I have to seek ways to find myself back into at least one of the more positive quadrants when we're not in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I heard you say it, but it's hard because if you're over your skis, you're like, I just need to feel love. But also, I'm not going to give you love if you're not loving me the way and you and I experience it's love. It's a race to the bottom. Or you know, you say the opposite. You always say like you're trying to get to the top of the baseball bat where yeah. you play that game where you go hand over hand. Mm-hmm. That's the worst game to be in. Yeah. And it's kind of like victim mentality, and it drives each of us nuts. We loathe that idea, and then we loathe it most in each other when Mm -hmm. it's like you're being a victim. And I think we need to be more graceful towards each other as we talk about this. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, gosh, like, Anna, like, you do have a lot of hard things to go on in your day, and I need to be graceful for that. But, uh, you know, I do think it is really important to, like, try to find a way out of it as much as possible. And Mm -hmm. then it's like work your way back through the quadrant. Like, Mm -hmm. Go from that bottom right corner at least to one of the, the top yeah, right the or the best. bottom Either left. Either the love or the respect. And then ideally, one. right, like you're going to find your way back to the other one. And just like try to find your way out of the bottom right is to me like the most important thing. And like we both, when we we're both in the bottom right, that is a awful, awful, is awful. awful place My to be. My belly is turning over thinking about it. I know, that. me too. So we're not going to even think about it more, <laughs> but that is a bad place to be. Yeah. Well, I have heard from you and how I kind of want to finish this episode is that... When you and I are in our ugly fights, you say all the time, Anna, your tone, like I might be saying the right thing and you know that it's almost like you're fighting with a lawyer because I know that I'm like, well, I could honestly do your side better than you are. Like you're missing whole points. You could have easily called me out on that and you didn't. And it's just, it's funny to even think about and that feels icky that I'm that annoying in a fight. But You have said to me, Anna, your tone, like, you know, what do you say? Attract more bees with honey. You say, you can say the hard thing, but it's your tone when it's disrespectful or unloving. That's when it messes up. That's when it is not received. And I would say that's both ways for both of us. So I feel like there's not that many silver bullets in life. But for our marriage, tone is so important. Tone is such an opportunity to let how your heart feels shine through, Mm -hmm. you know, be it love or respect, or if it's not a good tone, like you're showing that you're not in that, going back to the quadrant thing, like you're in the bottom right side of the quadrant, right? Mm -hmm. And then no message is going to be heard that way. But if you like at least try to work on your tone, it helps change a little bit of your mindset. It's like waking up in the morning and saying things you're thankful for. Like it's hard to really dive negative with your first, you know, part of your day if you're getting up and saying like oh lord thank you for this day thank you for my spouse thank you for my kids same kind of idea like if you at least approach conversation with positive tone it's harder to go real deep into the negative because you're not allowing yourself to go into like negative tone and that might be like like hopefully it's not like raising your voice or something but it's like it might be how you're talking to your spouse condescending or like, or... condescending or like i'm like oh hey sweet girl and you're like we're we're in conflict right now like don't yeah. don't do that to me like Talk to me like you respect me. Like, talk to me like I'm Anna. Yeah. And let's work through this. Then we'll get to that. Yeah. And so it's like, it can even be like a best of intentions thing, but it's matching the tone that that person needs to hear in the moment to bring them into that upper quadrant of where you need to be. Totally. And I appreciate you saying that because what is, I have felt like has helped us get out of fights is when we both get ultra logical. In the middle of a fight, when you try to get all lovey dovey, I'm like, "Er," which is exactly what you just said. And the best way and the shortest ways we get out of fights is when we get ultra logical. We're like, here's the actual points that we are talking about. You know, you say fight the problem, not each other. I feel like when we get logical, that's super helpful to just be like, here's actually what's going on. Even if it says, hey, you're really tired. Like we're really tired. Let's table this as much as it's hard. Let's talk about this tomorrow because now we're just tired. 
Um, but when I think of tone um, and knowing specifically for you, like you said, both of us, but tone, it is the secret sauce. I really believe that it doesn't matter what you say, but how you say it. And so I have some examples of how tone changes the situation. So let me go through these. And if you think of anything else, you can say them. But tone takes it from nagging to a request. Mm. Nagging to a request. Tone takes it from hurtful to constructive criticism. Tone takes it from combative to resolutive. Resolute. (laughs) Resolution oriented. (laughs) Uh, res- uh, resolving, maybe? I don't, I, I, you laugh. You don't know the word. No, I know. It's just funny trying to hear you work through this. Combative to like resolute or like uh, seeking resolution is yeah. what I would say. Yeah. Tone takes it from judgmental to curious. What do you think about that one? Love it. Okay, cool. Tone takes it from disrespectful to empathetic. And tone removes apathy and creates harmony. I, I love those. I mean, those are those should be written on a poster like next to "Live, Laugh, Love" <laughs> of good things you know, that we need to remember throughout the day, and why tone is so important. Yeah. Because you're exactly right. I was going through that, and I was like, man, if Anna said to wash the sheets, but she was saying it in a way that was what I, you know, different tones would change a lot, right? Mm-hmm. One wash the sheets is like, hey, I love our bed, and can't wait to get into a clean bed with you. Mm-hmm. That to me is awesome. Wash the sheets, but in a different tone is like, do your part, wash the sheets. And that has a little different tone to me, right? So like super aligned. You can say the same thing in different ways. And then it affects how I receive it and then how I act and how joyfully I do it. If you're telling me to wash sheets because you want to get into bed with me, <laughs> man, I can't wash them fast enough. You know? 100%. It actually, I don't know if you've seen this meme where it talks about how important punctuation is. Oh, that's funny. You know what I'm talking about? No, where I don't, it, where, but I love it. Okay, so like the importance of a comma. Okay. <laughs> so it's the 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 sentence is let's eat, comma grandpa. But if you take away that comma, it's let's eat grandpa. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so I feel like that's that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, that is the end of my tone talk. Um, thank you for joining Thanks me on my on. tone talk. Love you. <laughs> Love you. Okay, what a funny way to end. Um, hopefully, y'all enjoyed that and got something from that. And before we break for today, I want to do a quick big question because we got to do it, y'all. So get your hands ready, warm them up. One, two, three. Ouch. Okay, I did that one really hard. Um, Okay, so for y'all, like I know we're all different and I know that our lives look different. I know you might work, you might have more kids, less kids than me. You might have a husband who travels, husband who doesn't. But I wonder for you, what do you, if you could look in the mirror and be honest with yourself, as I need to do to myself, what are you prone to build resentment about? If it's in your marriage, if it's in your relationship with your parents, with your friends, with your kids, what is it? And is there a way that you can minimize that resentment? It's something we all should be aiming towards. And I think that's a good thing for us to step into 2024 with. So love you all so much. Um, looking forward to talking to you more about this exact topic because it's just so heavy on my heart. But also just y'all have a wonderful week and we will talk next week. Okay, love y'all. Bye. Bye.